Rangers! What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blind us to the truth! Take a look. They are safe, as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are, or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me! Put these on. They have us! Look at them! They're everywhere! We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business. Ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick it. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome to episode 19 of First Strike, the Invasion podcast, the podcast that looks at uh, the Invasion crossover from DC Comics uh, back in 1988, borderline 89, and every comic book that tied into it. I'm Siskoid. I'm Bess. And today we're talking about Detective Comics number 595. Oh boy. Finally Batman. Some some Batman in there. Uh... <laughs> some. <laughs> Well, it's it's very Batman E, but we'll we'll get to that. It was so good it made me sick. I, my voice is kind of weird. Don't worry about it. I got a little cold. It's Canada winter. You know. You know that germs don't fly on cold. It's not. I don't know. But yeah, this is the uh, first time we see Batman in the invasion. So uh, this at will all, be... which is surprising. And uh, normally you'd be, you know, Batman would be the character you would. Pivot on it. You know, you'd yeah. have to have Batman just to sell the crossover. Well, uh, I thought, I, I think, uh, this was when Batman was doing his own thing back then, right? Isn't this close to the whole Jason Todd thing where? Yeah. So this is actually the only Batman comic. This is the only in Batman the, in the whole invasion. Really? Not every series did two issues. Okay. Some did, some didn't. And this one doesn't even go continued in Invasion number two, which a lot of the other comics did. So you knew the characters would go into the invasion, you know, spring out of their book okay. and might or might not return in the after the second chapter. But Batman, he had two books at the time yeah. before he had four books. And uh, one was Batman and the other one was Detective Comics. And in Batman, at this point, I can understand why the Batman book did not participate in Invasion because... They were in the middle of a death in the family. Okay. So yeah. exactly. Jason Todd dies. That's its own thing. That's its own thing. And you probably the timing was wrong to yeah. have that book suddenly acknowledge invasion. That makes sense. But in Detective Comics, okay, you've got these other stories from Batman. The, the, the two books didn't follow one to the other. So you okay. could have separate stories that didn't happen necessarily at the same time. Uh, Robin isn't in this, so... It might be after Death in the Family. It might be before and just Robin's just not in it. Okay. But it's damn conspicuous. I mean, it's Batman goes into it, as we'll see. Batman goes into it reluctantly. He doesn't want to take part in Invasion. He's yeah. not going to show up in Invasion number one or two or, you know, in Invasion number two. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss. Why I, I'm thinking that uh, Denny O'Neill, who was editor of the Batman books at the time, drew a line in the sand and said, you know, my, my character, we're trying to build Batman as more of a uh, street-type hero. We don't want him. We're, we're moving away from superheroics, and we want to keep the Batman, like, darker and uh, a loner. Is that what's happening? Is that, like, the, the Batman ed- editorial offices didn't want to kind of feels deal like with that. it and then just did one, just a one-off? Or... I, I, I really don't know, because it, it, it really... It was all over the place. 
Uh, we're going to do a synopsis uh, very soon, but I don't really know what, why even they would have done it. It doesn't. It does nothing. <laughs> it just. It does nothing. Well, it does something. It explains why the invaders don't go to Gotham. Yeah, actually, you know what? Kind of does. So it, it explains why Batman isn't in the crossover, but Batman is in the crossover just because. <laughs> <laughs> well, wasn't Batman still in JLI at this point? But we don't even see Batman in JLI. No, no, that's right. He he was a a sort of member of JLI. I think he was like yeah. in and out by that point. Maybe more out than in. This this is stuff that you can find out eventually, either from the Nightcast yeah. by uh, Ryan, our friends Ryan Daly and uh, Chris Franklin. Uh, they'll cover this issue before long. And then, uh, or else in the, the Bwahaha podcast, the JLI issues, you find out just when Batman sort of faded out of that team and, and how and why. It was a surprising thing that, you know, Denny O'Neill would let the JLI book, especially after it became very comedy-driven, you know, still use Batman. Well, they needed a straight man. Yeah, exactly. If if they had him joking all the time, I think it would have been an issue. Yeah. I think then he well, would have said, um, yeah. we need him back. <laughs> well, he cracks, like, two jokes in 19 books. Yeah. And, and, and they're very and every subtle. time, they're never too sure. Yeah. Did he just make a joke? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... The second punch was better than the first punch on that one. But yeah. he, he, all the time, yeah, Batman was always the gloomy one and always still in the shadows in the JLI. So, eh, I, I, this, I mean, this, this book, <laughs> this book, there was a bonus book in this book, by the way. Yeah, there's a bonus book. We're not really going to cover it. We're not, but we should. Uh, <laughs> so is that a better Batman story? Well, it was Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And, uh, this is, you know, pre, uh, Batman the Animated Series, yeah. Mr. Freeze. So this was like an, an, an old version of Mr. Freeze, which was eh, kind of, I read it. It was kind of interesting. I liked it. It was like, wow, Mr. Freeze was kind of different then. Because the animated series really changed. Mr. Yeah. Freeze, uh, gave him, uh, another motivation. He wasn't just a jewel burglar. You know, he yeah. had something more than just, and, but this is, Pre his wife, pre uh, Miss Fries there. I don't know what's her Nora name. Nora Freeze. Nora, Nora Freeze? I, I, I don't know why I said Fries. I think it's spelled like Fries, though. <laughs> well, yeah. It's Freeze. But well, that's a whole other villain. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know. The Condiment King. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't Batman that much. That was a great little story with Mr. Freeze. But we're not going to cover it because it's we're not, not going to cover it. Okay. So let, let's look at this issue. And okay. In the first part of this show, as usual... We'll do a synopsis. We'll talk yeah. about the how Batman interacted with the invasion. Uh-huh. And in the second part of the show, we'll talk about Batman and what he means to us or doesn't, <laughs> depending. <laughs> yes. Who here is in their Batman face? Okay. So um, this book, uh, Detective Comics number 595, the title is uh, Our Man in Havana. By writers Alan Grant and John Wagner, penciler Irv Novick, inker Steve Mitchell, colorist Adrienne Roy, letterer Todd Klein, assistant editor Daniel Raspler, and editor Dennis O'Neill. Uh, let's look at the cover because uh, the cover's by uh, it's not by the interior art team. It's by Paris Collins and Malcolm Jones the uh, third, but looks like neither's work. <laughs> it's, it's really not. It's really not what I would expect from uh, either of those artists. So it's uh, basically we're seeing, you know, Batman from the back. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are three Thanagarian warriors flying towards him. And in the background is the bay in Havana. I'm thinking, but Uh, we don't really know. But it looks like an ice sheath. 
and the sun is in the background, like to just to mm-hmm. highlight the Hawkmen. What do you think of this cover? Well, there are Hawkmen on the cover, so that's that. That's a minus right there for it's you. It's a minus for me. Uh, their 27 foot long wingspan kind of <laughs> makes me wonder how the heck do these people walk around with these big things on their backs. <laughs> I'm thinking nth metal probably don't weigh anything. Um, They'd still be dragging behind you. Those I, are very, very long. They're, they're like twice long. the length, twice or three times the length of a man. This is this is. So, I mean, the the wings are so huge. They're like you know how Spawnscape was always everywhere. <laughs> it's kind of mm. like this. Yeah, it's just too much wings there. It's very dynamic though. It is very dynamic. You you, you feel like Batman's going into a fight. Yeah, you have that's these, an extreme Dutch angle. We're talking about forty five uh, degree yeah. ocean. Yeah. Yeah, 45 degrees. Maybe 30, 39, 39 <laughs> degrees. Okay. Um, we're, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a lot of action or movement. You know, we have a lot of depth. It's, it's not a bad cover, but will it be representative of what's inside? We'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm disappointed uh, because <laughs> I love Paris Collins. I like Malcolm Jones the third. This does not look like, I mean, maybe it's not a good match, but. <sighs> Yeah, whatever. Uh, so the, here's the synopsis. Here's what happens in this issue. The scene is the Cuban capital of Havana, where Kunt forces are rounding people up and whipping them, as you would if you were a Kunt. Suddenly, a helicopter enters the city's airspace and is quickly shot down. Its lone occupant, the masked vigilante known as Batman, swims to shore, safe and sound, and soon finds himself cracking heads. And here, he didn't think he'd take part in the crossover. How did he get here? He remembers. After telling Maxwell Lord the JLI didn't need him to fight aliens because his skill set was really inappropriate for the situation, Batman went back to his war on crime that night. He comes across hoods jacking a truck, but the truck driver has some kind of laser gun that disintegrates one of the crooks. Batman intervenes and discovers the truck driver is a shape-shifting Durlin. The invasion has come to Gotham. So Batman bludgeons the alien with one of the thieves' shotgun and ties its antenna together so he can't do nothing. He then finds the truck is smuggling weapons into the city in Cuban cigar crates. This leads Batman to Cuba, where he hopes to prevent the aliens from setting up an advanced base in Gotham. So now in Havana, the Bat finds the cigar company and couldn't slave drivers loading cigar boxes onto a boat. Before he can slip into Muchacho Cigars, a couple of Thanagarians on patrol show up and fight Batman on the rooftop. There are terrible shots and so are the Kuns, and as we discover when Batman falls into the bay below, somehow twisting his way down in zigzag fashion so they can't get a beat on him, the aliens fish his cape out of the water but don't find his body. That's because he's coming up the dock from the other side. He pushes or throws them into the water, jumps on the boat, aims it at the factory with a live contraband grenade set to blow, and the whole operation goes up in a ball of flames. Batman swims to the other side of the bay before reinforcements arrive, secure in the knowledge that Gotham will now no longer be drawn into a senseless crossover. The end. Not to be continued. Well, this is very emotional stuff. (laughs) This is very emotional stuff. We went to Cuba a couple times. You? Well, not me. With uh, with the Flash. Oh yeah, yes. And with Manhunter. <laughs> and there's no relationship to that because we saw that Cuba was taken over by Durlins. Yes. Yeah. And then so so this happens simultaneously. But there's no there is absolutely uh, no link to the other books. No. At all. We don't even. There's not even a mention. And the other books 
didn't mention that the Kuns or Thanagarians were there at all. No, it seemed like it was a Durlin thing where yeah. the Durlins were going to take Cuba. Probably because, you know, it's strategic. You know, yeah, they, very close to the to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and, you know, probably invasion style. And, you know, it's a bit of a... The shapeshifters would take control by taking the forms of the humans and being Fidel Castro and everybody. There's like nothing of this no. in this book. And this is detective comics. I mean, you should be having like the, ooh, there's something going on. And, you know, the shapeshifters are taking the forms of the people. And, oh, this is what's the plan. And there's... Yeah. Well, continuity-wise, only... I think my first problem actually is on the on the first page. It talks about past events in Cuba. Yeah. With pigs and all that. And then it says, and in 1989, the aliens landed. Well, you know, if this is all simultaneous... It's 1988. I understand the crossover was in the last few months of 1988, but to now say that it's 1989. When are we? What's going on? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the sliding scale at work. We know that, you know, whatever. It's whatever year it actually is. Not to mention that right in the beginning, Batman goes there in a Gotham PD chopper. What? It's not the Batcopter. It's a police, Gotham police helicopter. And you have to beg the question, why? And is, is Gotham is, that... <laughs> is Gotham so close <laughs> to, yeah. to Cuba that Where? you can use a copter? Why would you use a helicopter? Why would you? It is, you know, I, I don't. know. I've written down a lot of WTFs <laughs> in this in the, for this one. Okay, and, and you know, I like Batman. I like Batman. Batman comes in, you know, jumps off the the copter, gets blown up. He swims to shore, takes on two kuns. <laughs> takes him down. I'd like to say Austin Powers style, you know, sneaks up behind him, smashes their heads together. You're just waiting for the Benny Hill music. You know, he just judo chops and kicks. He just lay down. And they're supposed to be like super strong or something. Not for Batman. You know, it's kind of wacky. I don't know. I don't Actually, know. it puts the lie to the whole premise because one of the things once we're in in the flashback, yeah. That really sat wrong with me. The idea that he would tell Max, oh, no, you don't need me. I don't want... I, I, yeah. Earth is being taken over by aliens. You know, Batman doesn't want to take part. The JLI is taking part, not Batman. No. That's you, weird. Yeah, you, you can do better than me. You, you know, I, I don't see what I could contribute. Well, you're one of the foremost strategic minds of this among the superheroes. Was, was post-crisis Batman... A dumber Batman, or well, I think they depowered him a little at yeah. first, maybe they tried to make him more human. Oh yeah, okay, I can see uh, that. But because um, we're still a far cry from the the, the JLA years, where he could you know go toe to toe with Superman in his own field, you know, and, yeah, of course. and you know fight the same villains as the really super powered ones. But it's just refusing the call. That's my problem with it. Yeah. Oh no, no. I, you know, there's crime on the streets. You know, I got to patrol Crime Alley. Okay, but you know, other heroes <laughs> with your power levels. Yeah, but are, are taking part. So yeah, that did not sit well with me. No, and that seemed t- like a an excuse. And then not only does he stop a Durlin easily, a, a not very good <laughs> Durlin, because oh, if you can just tie, you know, put a knot in their antenna and it's done. Well, the Durlin turned into one of those fighting styles, I guess, or fighting forms. He he transformed into. Wait a minute, I have the. Oh yeah, a monster. Type. A Centaurian Zefrang. So he transformed into a Centaurian Zefrang, 
And uh, Batman just kicked his arse. So he beats a Durlin. Yeah. He goes to Cuba. He beats up on Kunz. He blows up a whole upper... Okay, Batman. Why aren't you in this fight? Why because, aren't you leading this fight? Because obviously you got the skills for it. He does a lot. He's a one-man army. So why aren't you except that you, you're just grumpy and you don't want to do it? Well, he was brooding. He was so brooding. if this is after, which it wouldn't have been really, Jason Todd's death... Mm-hmm. It might go some ways to explain why he kind yeah. of disconnecting from the world. Losing Jason Todd means uh, I can't lose anyone else. I'm going to move off from the Justice League. Uh, you know, friendless, yeah. a friendless Batman. The Batman from at the start of the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Maybe that's it, but it's not addressed here because that storyline hadn't finished. Yeah. And it's possibly, you know, depending on the timeline, it's possible they didn't even know Jason Todd was to die yet because it was like, you had yeah, to, that was a last call. Thing, well, you right? had to call. In. Yeah. So they probably had the, you know, they had the two stories ready to go and he bought it. So either Jason Todd in this, uh, we can presume the writers thought he might be in hospital and very badly hurt and so batman is still living with that maybe so it's it's hard to say so it's like a story that's we don't know how that storyline is going to end and batman has to be alone in this for that reason um you know hedging their bets i is that why they said it was 1989 are we projecting a couple months in the future and we don't know even if jason todd is not dead he's probably in the hospital recovering. if we don't know if we don't know so batman would be alone because i think that month was death in the family like chapter two or three so okay it's not yet the readers certainly don't know they've been invited to call in (laughs) to decide uh so i don't know it's 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 more like hey guys uh can you do an invasion story we've been we've been told to to do one just make sure we don't have to do a second one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just like really, uh, yeah. that's kind of, and it's disappointing to me that because I I don't like not having liked this issue. Yeah, that's because, how I feel also. Because I like sure I like Batman. You know? Yeah, I like Batman in this. Who doesn't like Batman? Sure, but I like uh, John Wagner and Alan Grant. Mm-hmm. They are responsible for some of my favorite runs of Batman from the late '80s, early '90s when I really read the book you know 2000 ad uh, alumni and you know working with norm brayfogle in some cases those were great runs Mm -hmm. so i like these writers they've done a lot of judge dread for example so ugh, and it really doesn't help me that uh, irv novick is doing the art because i don't think he's he's always been a very straightforward kind of artist you know workman like but oof there's a lot of problems with perspectives. Yeah. Look at that first page. A splash page where the people are lined up against the walls of the, the houses in the city. How small are those houses compared to those people? They are. And there's a lot of that going around where some people are t- too small in the frame, too big in the frame. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's, it's the kind cun- of... The cunts are kind of off also. <laughs> Everybody in Havana is bigger than the cunts, except that one big one who's whipping i don't know it, yeah you're right perspective is really off yeah you know and the inking is a little thick like the art is murky and not always so easy to figure out there are, there are some good bits yeah and he tries to you know make the panels different shapes and creates a energy but uh a lot of it is uh, you know come someone coming up from behind you but they can plainly see him but they don't because the script says they don't so there's like ugh yeah so it's not a standout issue art-wise, 
And then the writing seems to, like, not have been in on the editorial meetings about invasion. Seriously. This is one of my notes. What what the hell's going on? Did somebody not get a memo? Because, I mean, everything's everywhere in this. Even the dialogue is weird. There's, like, expressions I don't understand or that seem weird in Batman's mouth. Like, he calls the Durlins transformation a warp. I guess warping like wood. It's just a weird turn of phrase or uh they're just uh, like use an expression about cuban heels and i had to check what that meant is it just like a weird pun because we're in cuba and you just <laughs> kick someone <laughs> i i didn't really pick up on that but you know what <laughs> i was probably not enjoying it and just going quickly through it <laughs> okay because i i didn't get these there is one sequence that i did like okay and that sequence alone was great when Batman takes down the two Hawkmen. And it, is it just because he takes down two Hawkmen? Maybe. But there's this, but there's this thing with time. Batman is being really, uh, once again, very, uh, strategic. He's just counting how much time they take to do one round or one flyover. Right. And then he, he basically gets from point A to point B within some like 14, 15 seconds. And he counts them down. And that was kind of fun. I kind of enjoyed that. There was this feeling of, you know, this slight anxiety. Is he going to do it? Can he do it? Et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he gets there, but, you know, can't go in quick enough, into the building quick enough, because Tanagarian's, you know, they spot him. Yeah. But well, yeah, I, I, like I kind that. of like that. Yeah, I like where he has a plan. Yeah. Uh, he tries to, you know, he opens the, the skylight, and then there's a there's a grill, there's like yeah. a mosquito net, and so he has to, like, remove that first, and that it takes time, and the Tanagarians yeah. do arrive, and so there's, like, reversals. Yeah. Uh, he's not, he doesn't have, like, the, the perfect plan. Action-wise, action although some it. of the action I think is a little muddled as far as the art goes sometimes. Well, and, I mean, the Austin Powers action scenes. I mean, versus the Kuns, come on. No, but, you Knocking know, heads beating together. up a um, uh, an alien monster with the the butt of a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. And it's very violent. It uh, is. So, so maybe, yeah, maybe he is reeling from Jason Todd's death. You know, he's yeah, like he's just, getting very, very, he's on the edge. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and this bit with the Thanagarians and, uh, you know, just crashing a boatload of grenades into... An explosive <laughs> warehouse. Yeah. So, you know, that's all, mm. that's all very good. I think yeah. the action beats are cool, are strong. Yeah. But the but. the dialogue is is weird to me, and yeah. I hate the attitude. I hate the idea that Batman would not answer the call when everyone else has. Yeah, you know, it's it's not even about being a patriot; it's about being a human being. Well, it's, it's and all he cares being... about is putting a bubble around Gotham and making sure none yeah. of that crap enters Gotham. I mean, if there's no Earth to wake up to tomorrow, who gives a shit yeah, about exactly. Gotham? Exactly. Now, even Gothamites don't give a shit about Gotham. That's see, that's obvious from day to day operations. I I understand why you don't like this Batman because this Batman is basically the Batman from uh, BVS. You know, he's he's meh. Yeah. I'm gonna keep Gotham safe, and, and we don't like that Batman. I don't think anybody likes that Batman. Well, I don't dislike that Batman necessarily. I think the way that Batman is implemented was a problem for me in the in that film. But this uh, is the same kind of character in this comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm okay with edgy, angry Batman. But 
there are other concerns. Even edgy, dark, angry Batman has to have a bigger picture. I mean, he's too smart not to see the big picture. That's what I was going to say. And, you know, it seems very immature of him as a superhero to, to just, no, I'll take care of local crime. Yeah. Because that doesn't stop. I agree. I mean, it's not because it's wartime that there's no... There are other people in, in Gotham, like... Uh, trust the cops? Yeah. To do it for a... GCPD uh, for a couple weeks? For, yeah. To me, that, that whole thing... Yeah. Kind of soured the experience. Because, like, even, like, the Kun... There's, like... They try a metaphor at some point. Because the Kuns see a, a bat. An yeah. actual bat. Yeah. And uh, one wants to shoot the bat, and the other says, uh, don't shoot the bat. Uh, they eat mosquitoes. So, obviously... Quins hate mosquitoes and they're in Cuba. So they probably, they're, you know, I like that where they're, but at the same time, that's some pretty uh, specialized knowledge for a Kund warrior to have about Very the, much. the ecology of another planet. <laughs> yes. Um, especially if, if they just landed. So <laughs> it's like, eh. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. And, and if it, you were stationed in Cuba for any length of time and were being eaten alive by, uh, by bugs, okay. Yeah. But, you know, so they know well, this, can, but can, it's a metaphor for it's the mosquito is Batman for them eventually. You know, like then Batman yeah, yeah. arrives and he's the mosquito in the ointment. I, I, I think I it's an attempt. I think you're right with the Batman refusing to participate because he was in the JLI. I mean, he it, and this is the same Batman. I mean, it's post-crisis Batman. He was in the JLI. He was leader of the JLI for a while. And post-crisis or not, all the pre-crisis stuff. Happened, yeah, exactly. Quote unquote. So he was he was the leader, the very bad leader of the outsiders, but he was the leader of the outsiders. <laughs> yeah, and he's worked with other people. Well, it's not just that; it's it's the the bigger responsibility. I mean, we understand that this Batman understands or or is willing to participate in bigger responsibilities, but not in this book. He doesn't want part, any part yeah. of it, and it's kind of weird. It's 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 a reverse of the usual because yeah, normally. There would be an editorial mandate to make Batman not only participate, but be important to a story. And in another version of this, he's leading the troops, not Captain Adam, right? Exactly. Okay, so normally, editorial mandate, and we'd say, oh, why does Batman have to be in everything? Batman is overexposed. This is this is our reality now. Yeah. Every second book is about Batman. But back then, as, you know, under different conditions and Batman we're we're close to Batman 89 that's going to propel Batman into the, he's got to be in everything yeah but at this point we're just before that but it's the same idea he's been editorially mandated not to be in, in invasion because it would screw up other things because it would delay other things because it doesn't fit uh, Denny O'Neill's idea of Batman in mm-hmm. this era where they're developing him. And Denny O'Neill is certainly powerful enough an editor to say no. Yeah. And that they respect his opinion. But it's this it's the same thing. It's an editorial mandate. It's damn peculiar that Batman... Because Batman, if he's having parallel adventures, if he's doing Detective Comics something, mm-hmm. and he's doing Batman something else, which is the case. Yeah. There's room enough for every Batman story. So why can't he be an invasion? Never mind the crossover, but, you know, you, you actually put him... We'll see. Maybe... He shows up in Invasion Number Two. I don't know. You know, I haven't read ahead. But if he does, okay, fine. But if he doesn't, why not? I mean, it could just be another chapter in the Batman story yeah. somewhere. It's all happening parallel. Yeah. The books don't follow each other. But he, this is very much telling us he doesn't want to be in this. Why didn't they just? I I have no time machine, so I can't go back in time and say, hey. 
This is why if they were in this huge storyline with the Jason Todd uh, death in the family, why didn't they just use that? You know, they could have just, you know, not not necessarily tie it in, but you have Maxwell Lord talk to Batman and say, hey, Batman, we have, uh, and Batman's like, listen, I've got some stuff here and I'll get to you when I can, but I need to take care of this stuff. Especially since Death in the Family is an international story. It is. It takes place partly in Iran. Yep. Uh, the Joker becomes the ambassador of Iran. It's so. weird. <laughs> I know. So they could have said, you know, just deal with that on the sidelines and we'll see you when you're done. And basically he could have never been done. Yeah. It's a strange misstep. But I'm sure at the time, some of us might have said, oh, I'm so happy that Batman isn't, you know, I'm not really buying into this crossover. I don't want to buy all these comics. Uh, and my Batman is not yeah. participating. And he's some, perhaps he's the voice. He's giving voice in this to the fans that don't like it when crossovers impugn on their storylines, yeah. which I often don't. You know, crossover. Well, you're out of luck. No, the, I mean, yeah. The <laughs> reason I like Invasion is that I thought it was well done. Yeah. But usually it is not always well done. No. So in the past, I, you know, I felt that, you know, the comics I really did like were the comics that didn't have to really cross over yeah. into because they were too small scale or, you know, marginal. And those are the books I prefer. But you know, if you're you're out of luck, because yeah. <laughs> now if if you're not in a crossover, you're starting from scratch with everything. You know what? As we talk about it, I'm appreciating it more. I well, still think it's it's odd because it's, it's slightly out of continuity. It feels it is. It doesn't it, just feel like uh, uh, giving the crossover the finger. There's that, but I like it better. Because perhaps it's in context with the Jason Todd story. Yeah. And they're not, you know, putting a button on it because maybe they can't talk about the details of it. Maybe they can't. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, it's there's not a lot resolved. Of editorial issues there. So. But, um, but if it's that, then okay, now I'm starting to understand why Batman is doing what Batman is doing and saying what he's saying. And if I can, you know, if in my mind I can resolve that, then the rest of the story is, it's got problems, but uh, it's a good action piece. At least the Batman motivation is understandable. Uh, taken out of context, not knowing that this is at the same time or whatever, uh, reading it 20 years after, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you, you probably you look at it and say, oh, this sticks out. This is, uh, this is a comment on everything that's been done. This is basically the same thing as uh, the last Swamp thing, you know, where yeah. it had nothing to do with anything. And that Batman is in that is, is weird today. Yeah. Because today Batman would be a centerpiece character. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was, like, looking forward to getting to this. Oh, finally, yeah. Batman. Uh, because he has such presence and he's such a, a big, great character today. Yeah. Uh, but that he was treated differently at some points is true. You know, in his entire history, he was almost canceled at one point, you know. Oh, really? Well, yeah, before the Batman TV show. Okay. Okay. Well, there, there was a point there in the early '60s where okay. could have gone either way, kind of thing. That's what they say, and the, the show saved it. You mean Rainbow Batman didn't really save the comic book? No. The but weird, the weird tales. But the bad Watuzi did. So <laughs> <laughs> Egghead. Yeah, Egghead did. So that he was treated differently yeah. inside the DC universe. Yeah. The same way that like Green Arrow isn't in here. Or, you know, some characters were off to the side doing their own thing, mm. and that Batman would be considered. You know, in his own little own little side of the DCU. I mean, it seems strange today, but it's true that in context. So some of my disappointment is, you know, looking back, thinking that this character would have like a, a nice invasion moment 
and sort of just spends the whole time bitching about invasion. Yeah, is, is bitching about it and kicking ass. Yeah, is is strange, but uh, I have reconciled my feelings about it. Well, talking about something sometimes does that. Yeah, I, I think, and, and to me, who's I'm just discovering invasion now. You, you you're rereading it. I'm just discovering it. It kind of feels weird that this. Batman story is not as fulfilling as, say, the uh, Animal Man story. Mm. And Animal Man is like a C-lister, right? I kind of actually almost liked uh, the Thanagarians in that one. And then this one, it just feels like you had to do it. And I don't know. It felt kind of weirdly somehow rushed. I didn't like it. I, 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 there's a lot of action. There's a lot of movement. There's not a lot of substance. And that kind of sucks. A lot of grenades, though. And, you know, kicking stuff in the head. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you know what? Batman kicks ass because he's going to be swimming back to, to I Gotham. guess, he's swimming back to Gotham, <laughs> no, I which think is it's just in across Florida. The bay. Across the bay. I don't know where he's going. Yeah, he's but, probably just across, going across the bay. But still, you know, Batman just kicks ass, blows up stuff, and goes home. Takes his ball and goes home. Hey, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. I wanted a bit... Something bigger for Batman, because, you know, everybody loves Batman. Who doesn't like Batman? And if he's not in Invasion number two, why was he giving a salute to Captain Adam on the cover of Captain Adam number 24? Exactly. Well, we'll find out in, like, soon. three episodes. <laughs> soon enough. Three, three episodes. All right, we'll take a small break uh, for promos, and then uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Batman entire. Uh, we'll try to keep it short. Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include Batman number 400, Legends, Mike Barr and Alan Davis, Batman Year One, Batman Year Two, Max Allen Collins, Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd, Ugh. Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year 3. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Counts. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, when Batman fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host? And we're back. Oh, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I was just waiting Starter for your Starter pistol. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so Batman. Yeah. We're talking, talking about Batman, our experiences with Batman. When did you first meet Batman? I met Batman when I was, I think... He saved me from a mugger. <laughs> I think I was four years old. I had wallpaper in my room that had Superman on it, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Robin. And Shazam. Well, not Shazam, Captain Marvel, but it said Shazam. Right. Stop saying Shazam. I have to put in a sound effect every time. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, man. Shazam! It calls it thunder. <laughs> but, you know, uh, so I that, I think that's where my love for Superman, Batman, and all these guys uh, started. Because I had superheroes on my wall when I was, you know, small. So uh, that's when I met Batman. I used to love that old TV show, but we used to watch it in French. Yeah, me too. Nouvelle urgente, Batman au micro. 
Avis à tous nos amis. Message extrêmement important. C'est capital. C'est palpitant. Assez de superlatifs, Batman. Et venons-en au fait. These are like memories from going to my grandma's and, you know, adults are all playing cards and talking about other adults and, you know, yeah. cooking up stuff. And I'm in the living room with my grandpa who's sleeping and I'm watching Batman. Batman and sometimes they'd have like uh, the Green Hornet also and I'd be like disappointed because I'm like, well, that's not Batman, but it's the same Batman people. It's the same thing. Why is it not Batman? Is it Batman? They do crossover at some point. They do. Yeah. They do. And I did see it when I was young. I saw it later on. I, and the first thing I thought was, oh my God, Burt Ward beat Bruce Lee. That was incredible. <laughs> But Bruce Lee just kicked some arson there. It was beautiful. But yeah, I used to like that old show. I still love it. Still love it. The Batman movie, the original, 66. Yeah, 66. It's still one of my son's favorite movies. Oh, nice. We watch it a lot. Uh, he doesn't like the Riddler in that, though. He thinks the Riddler is too uh, he's too bad. But he likes, uh, you know, we play Lego Batman mm -hmm. uh, on the, the PlayStation. And he just loves playing the old Batman 66 whole mission thing. Yep. He loves playing that. Yeah, you um, go into the old Batcave and there's little cameras. And yeah, my son runs around with only underwear saying that he's Robin. You yeah. know, so we love that old Batman. So I, I have a, a, I think, a deep love relationship uh, with Batman. He was always second, though. Uh, my first love was always, uh, third, actually. Uh, <laughs> I'd say my first love was Flash and Superman. Flash and Superman are pretty much head to head, uh, neck and neck, uh, shoulder to shoulder, hooked up at the hip, uh, <laughs> peas in a pod. But uh, Batman always liked him because he was just a regular Joe, you know. He was just, well, rich, regular, <laughs> rich, super yeah. smart, peak of athletic prowess, regular Joe. You know, he puts his boots one foot at a time there. Uh, unlike Superman. Who, unlike Superman. Who, who just floats down into them. I, yeah. Or he spins on himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I always liked Batman. I, I didn't read a lot of Batman, though, when he was uh, very dark and gloomy. Because I, I always liked my stuff hopeful. I don't know. I, I just always liked them. Yeah. Well, I like that show too. And, uh, I, you know, for me, Batman was a, like a staple of uh, cartoons. Yeah. There, he had his own cartoon where, um, Batmite was always, it was like a pink version of Batmite who was always, uh, yeah. in the way. And then there was, uh, the Super Friends, obviously. Yeah. And plus a TV show. So in my youth, you know, you've always got Batman, you know, way before yeah. you'd ever read a Batman comic. But when people talk about, uh, having a Batman phase, I can't quite, say that I've had one. I've read vast, you know, runs of Batman. I think in when I was buying a lot of comics, trying out new comics mm -hmm. in the early 80s, Batman, I would buy like an issue of Batman here and there, you know? It's yeah. just like, oh, I've got like random issues of Batman. I've got, uh, you know, the Batman where the Millennium crossover of Batman because I was reading Millennium. I got Yeah. Uh Death and Family is actually interesting because it was like the first trade paperback I ever saw, first and only, I ever saw on the newsstands. Really? So it was actually, because I didn't read Death in the Family okay. uh, in single issues. One day, I go to the spinner rack, and in the spinner rack is a yes. small trade paperback with that storyline. Like, like they published right after. It's probably one of the the first ones I bought, also. So that's that was weird. So I bought that. And then really, I start to read Batman in um, late 80s, uh, early 90s, when it... When it did the same thing as Superman, just ran one comic into the other with uh, maybe a numbering on the 
you know, like a triangle numbering, or in this case, like a circle, okay. a bat signal numbering that you knew you had to go. Yeah, you know, that whole storyline had culminated in Batman getting his back broken by Bane, yeah, being replaced Nightfall, uh, Nightfall being replaced temporarily by um, uh, Dick Grayson, so like Prodigal. I started reading Shadow of the Bat. I started reading uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. All of that, you know, at one okay, point yeah. it was like four comics to buy. That's a lot of Batman. Yeah, but it was it was all good. Yeah, you know, and um, so I, I read like that until maybe. Gotham's earthquake or you know it's like okay. it, it it started getting like there was like this event every six months or maybe sooner and it was like too much and not not as good as it used to be so I quit it there then I read like much later the like the Grant Morrison run mm-hmm. Batman Inc all that okay and uh you know I, I could never resist a, an Elseworlds and most of the Elseworlds were Batman stories so I and they're often very fun yeah I mean, they're fun like Batman comics will always be solid yeah, I think he's like he's like a no-brainer kind of character. I've never read a terrible Batman comic, not even like this one. Certainly, all the runs have something interesting to them, and you know the character has uh, a lot of interest. But it seems like a lot of our what we think of as Batman is usually in other media because, like, the Batman '66 was seminal, and then uh, Batman '89 yeah. was the first VHS tape I ever had. Wow, we got a VHS uh, really. Like the VCR, we got a VCR really late. I was yeah. like 18. Well, well, it was like in 1989. So you, didn't need, you didn't need to see movies at home. You could see movies at the movie theater like everybody else. Yeah, and I saw Batman 89 at the drive-in oh. in the States. Some movies didn't come to Edmonton, New Brunswick. <laughs> you had to cross the lines to, <laughs> to see it. And even so, it was like the drive-in. So I saw it there, but um, you know, I've seen that movie like 100 times because it was like not only the first tape it was like the only one yeah basically i had so uh that was an important film and none of the sequels ever really did it for me uh, comparatively and uh, yeah, today it feels dated i, I don't want to watch batman 89 anymore but well, i, I kind of watched it last month yeah yeah it's darker than i remember mm, yeah it's a lot darker you want to get nuts let's yeah. get nuts <laughs> Yeah, and 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 it's because I was I was just I'm doing the Batman voice, but it was Bruce Wayne doing that, right? That line. Anyway, well, you know, it, I have this thing where I was trying to figure out what makes the Joker great. Okay. So I was really watching it for the Joker, and um, I figured out why some Jokers I like in movies and some I don't really like, and it's the crazy walk or the funny walk. All the Jokers had funny walks, uh, including Heath Ledger had a funny walk. But unfortunately, Jared Leto does not have a funny walk. Okay. And I was trying to figure out why I didn't really enjoy because he's he's doing a great performance uh, as the Joker, and I get it. But there's something missing, and uh, I think it's the funny walk. Uh, now I have now I'm probably not the only person thinking. Well, I gotta rewatch every every Joker performance. Every Joker performance has a funny walk, and you know who uh, actually said that? It was my son. He likes playing the Joker on the, the Lego Batman because Joker's always walking funny. And he enjoyed that. And I thought, well, I should really rewatch if that's really what he does. And in Batman 66, funny walk. Joker has this funny walk. Uh, the, the, the Jack Nicholson Joker has a funny walk. Uh, he doesn't just walk normal. You know, he has this kind of weird yeah. bouncy walk. Heath Ledger has... Cartoon the, Joker has certainly has a funny walk. He has a funny walk. They all have funny walks. The funny walk theory. Funny walk theory. Ledger, when he blows up the hospital, he could just run away. No, he funny walks away. 
And yeah, that's, so that's why I was watching Batman 89. Okay. But I, I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would. And maybe because I'm older also. Well, I think the... And I did like uh, Batman Begins and uh, The Dark Knight. Mm. Dark Knight is a brilliant piece of filmmaking, uh, which has unfortunately given some people the idea of copying the wrong things about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah the darker yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, the Batman animated series, obviously, yeah, it's was great. for many the... Best the, the best distillation of Batman ever and still is. It's it's and, very good. And I think if you're gonna ask me who is the the best Batman, it's Kevin Conroy, even though he's only lending his voice to it. Yeah. That animated series was really really well done. And then this weekend I saw uh, uh, Lego Batman. I didn't see it yet. Uh, well, uh, it's the first great movie of night of 2017. We'll see how the the chips fall, you know, in a few months when yeah. I think back on it. But. Um, it's my favorite Batman film of all time, <laughs> oh. as of t- oh. as of right now. Better than Batman. I was la- I was laughing even before the the logos, the Warner Brothers logos, and all that. I was already laughing. Oh wow! So don't want to spoil it for you, but I was already laughing even before the cool in the, in the first second of the film. I was laughing, and by the end, I cried. Oh wow! So amazing! Wow! Wow! The power of Legos. <laughs> but you know, Will Arnett is. It plays this demented parody of Batman, and yet it's the Batman we know, and it's, it's every Batman. And I think that's one of the things that I find most amazing about Batman. We're talking about the dark Batman, uh-huh. but you also mentioned the rainbow Batman. Yeah, It's not just that, it's, you know, how can we accept Batman 66 and Brave and the Bold Batman, the yeah. cartoon, that's also an amazing yeah. cartoon series. How can, can we accept the Batman as this jokey, friendly first citizen of Gotham character who dances and has, you know, how can we accept Batman as a silly character and also accept him as a brooding dark vigilante and as a a gadget hero and as a detective uh, in the mold of uh, Sherlock Holmes or, or film noir? How can all of this work in the same character and you're not going... Because... We've had this discussion about Superman, yeah. where we said, "Well, no, the dark Superman doesn't work. Doesn't that's work. not what Superman's about. That's why we, you know, that's why we don't enjoy Man of Steel or BVS. Yeah, the dark idea of Superman that just feels wrong. Why does then a silly version, a comedy version, a fun version of Batman, a, an open daylight version of Batman, why does that work? How does the character work in all these different modes? And that's the magic of Batman. I think he he can be both." We can take him seriously or not seriously, and it doesn't actually harm the character. There's no one saying, oh, you basically pooped all over my childhood by making Batman silly or by making him dark. Yeah, it's all in there. Those two ideas are actually in there, and somehow it works. And I don't know how that happened exactly. The original shift is when Robin joined the cast. That's the original shift. All of a sudden, he's got a, a buddy, and they're having fun. And previously, is like a very dark vigilante character in the late 30s, early yeah. 40s. Yeah, the purple glove Batman there. Yeah, when when suddenly became lighter because he had a sidekick. Yeah. And then the adventures became more fanciful. And, That's a good question. And it's the only character I can really name that, you know, that, you know, a big name character that... Although you can't really mix him, you can't mix him up inside the same... Well, can you? I guess you can with Legos. With the magic of Legos. But uh, I think you just explained why I didn't like uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Because there's a plain daylight fight. Batman and Bane in the streets of Gotham. And I was like, ugh, the hell is this? 
This is not plain daylight Batman. Why is he there? This sucks. But, you know, it, it, I didn't like it because it wasn't every other, you know, uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight uh, were nighttime Batman. And then we have this daylight middle of the street in front of Gotham PD fight. And I, I didn't really enjoy that movie because it wasn't a nighttime, you know, darker Batman. But it would have, it, it could have been, you know, something else. It could have been playing daylight Batman with the gray and blue but not in the same context. You could have this fight with Bane, but not in that movie. Because all these versions of Batman exist, and, and they're all great in their own separate little thing. That might be the magic of Batman. And, and Batman. It's a Batman. I mean, it's absurd. All superheroes are absurd. I think that's probably the, the problem with making it so dark and serious and you know wanting to elevate it a lot of the 90s comics were like this where yeah. let's create characters let's change characters so that we can just shrug off that absurdity and you know make like it's not absurd no it's not absurd and we'll make sure the characters have pockets and you yeah. know everything that's absurd uh they tried to leech it out of it to make it more realistic some of those stories can be good and some of those yeah. characters can exist but i think there's the wrong way to go embrace the absurdity and i think the comics i like most are the ones, like superhero comics, that really do embrace that absurdity. Yeah. Even if you make it serious, even the characters take it seriously, it is an absurd set of circumstances. Yeah. Well, the characters, did, they don't have a choice to take it seriously. It's part of their world. We're looking into their world. It's not our world. You know, it's not a real thing. It's So it's fine if it's weird, as long as it's it reigns true as as what's going on in their world, right? I don't think realistic is the way to go. But at the same time, to come back to Batman specifically, he can exist in those modes. He can. He can be absurd. He can be realistic because he's a real yeah. guy, like you said. But he's also like a super heightened guy. And, you know, so when you look at Batman, it really is a multi-dimensional yeah. creation where we can't even talk about his world. He has like many worlds and it's like he's stepping into different tones and it's still, they're still making it work. Probably why he, he works wor- as an international spy type hero yeah. in the Rachel Ghoul stuff. He works as a uh, uh, like full blown superhero fighting dark side in the Justice League books. But he's also got these like small stories where he's just helping the cops track down a uh, like a psycho killer or something. Yeah. So there's just so much to it, and it still works. And I, you know, I don't have the formula for this. If someone did. Well, it, they, they could package it, but he can certainly be anything because that's probably why all the Elseworlds, well, not all of them, but most of them were Batman related. He can be worked into anything. Yeah. There's an element of the Gothic. There's I an mean, element of the Victorian. There's exactly. an element of pulp. Uh, it works in sci-fi. It works um, everywhere. You know, Batman is brilliant. Wow. Teen Batman. There's just something to it. Yeah. Super Sons. Yeah. There's uh, all sorts. Do you have a favorite of all time? Any incarnation of, in any medium? I love... JLA Batman. I always liked that Batman is this super prepared, super prepared, super. Well, he can go toe to toe with any one of the Justice League superheroes, but he's technically just a guy without power. He's just a guy in a bat suit, but he's never just a guy in the bat suit. And I kind of like that that art of war type thing where they underestimate him, but they shouldn't, or they they're always reading him wrong. I think that's where uh, Batman shines the most, when he's compared to other super beings. You could probably say, well, if you give a Green Lantern ring to Batman, he'd be unstoppable. And that's true. You give super speed to Batman, he'd be unstoppable. Yeah, that's true. He's just so powerful, yet not. He's just a paradox. 
And that's, I think that's where I like them the most within the JLA. Cool. I don't think I even have an answer to my own question. <laughs> I think visually, my favorite Batman artist is uh, Norm Brayfogle, so I like those visuals. Well, right now I'm tainted, so it's Lego Batman is the one. But yeah. uh, <laughs> As you should. Yeah. Lego Batman's awesome. Because I just saw it. But but you know what? I want to give a shout-out to Dick Grayson as Batman. Not in Prodigal, but, you know, just while Batman was lost in time. Yeah, yeah. I actually bought those. I have those. Because I'm, I'm a big Dick Grayson I fan. I love... The Dick Grayson Damien relationship. Yeah, I like I like the flip to it where the kid is brooding and dark, and Batman is lighter. Uh, I like what Dick Grayson brings to the Batman persona. See, you can even put somebody else in the suit. Like yeah. I like Terry McGinnis's uh, Batman Beyond. I, yeah, you can put someone else in the suit and still make that concept work. Yep, like the Swiss Army knife of superheroes. It's, it's but, all purpose. It's but you need you need something. You know when they when when we were talking about Nightfall. What's his name? Ezreal uh, yep. became Batman. Oh yeah, As see Bats. that that didn't work. That didn't work. Well, it it was wasn't it, meant to work. It, it exactly it worked yeah. because it wasn't meant to work. It was a contrast to what Batman should be. Yeah, and then wasn't. And, and that was on purpose because that was the plan. You know, right. that was the the idea of that. But story. at the same time, some people would argue that the um, the Batman of the Dark Knight Returns is more in the Asbats mold. Not not the suit, but I mean, you yeah. know, in the, the darker edge or the, the willingness to kill, although it's very controversial to say that he yes. kills in um, Dark Knight Returns. I don't think he does, but some people think so, uh, and they make <laughs> movies, so now he's a killer. But, you know, even Batman as a killer, yeah, I, which is not a, a move I agree with, but I don't like superheroes killing yeah, yeah. at all. You put somebody in the suit who understands what the Batman is and the legacy goes on. I mean, Dick yeah. Grayson knows what it is, even if... You know, Commissioner Gordon and everybody around the bad signal said, you know, first time he goes around as Batman, everybody's like, isn't he a little smaller? Wasn't he a bit different? And he is, but he's not. And it, uh, yeah, I, I do agree that Dick Grayson as Batman. And he's always been reluctant to, to take up the mantle because yeah. he's his own thing. And that's why I'm, I, I really like him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Damien Dick, uh, relationship is awesome. Actually, they all have these. The whole Bat family has a great relationship yeah. between them, and it's so dynamic just with their relationship that you can make that work. I, if you can't make that work, you haven't read a Batman comic book. I mean, if you can't understand all these relationships, you really don't get it because all these relationships are great. Well, there you go. What is your favorite era of Batman? Yeah, you know, at fireandwaterpodcast.com. That's a big or, question. Or on the Facebook page for Fire and Water, or uh, even on Twitter because you can just like shout out. But there's no bad answer to that. <laughs> Which is your favorite oh, era, Batman? Exactly. You know Which what? Is your favorite era, your favorite version, favorite <laughs> person in the cowl, favorite Bat family member, whatever you want to talk about. Everybody's going to be right. We're on up this. for it, and um, to prove it, our next segment is called Letters from the Front. Uh, we'll take another small break and then we'll read your comments from uh, the Captain Adam number 24 episode. Who here likes comic books? Who likes superheroes? Who likes superhero comic books? From the 90s! That's what I thought. Hey there, I'm Nathaniel Wayne from the Council of Geeks, and though I've always loved superheroes, the only time I was buying monthly issues was during the much maligned 1990s. I've decided to go through my personal collection, issue by issue, and in my own little way, try to answer the question, were 90s comics really that bad? 
Chances are the answer will be yes, but I think these books deserve another chance and they're going to get it on 90s Comics Retrial, part of the Council of Geeks podcast, available on iTunes and at 90scomicsretrial.wordpress.com. Letters from the front. Letters from the front. Letters from the front. Uh, here are some stuff that we got from... From the, yep. uh, yeah, episode 18, Captain Adam number 24. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we got some uh, comments on the firewaterpodcast.com page. That's a great place because there's a site. There's always a nice discussion there. So if you want to read some comments and comment yourself, just go on the Fine Water podcast page and everything's there. Yep. But you can leave some elsewhere. So don't. Yeah, don't limit yourself. Yeah. Uh, but make sure we, we find it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we can read it. Here are our highlights. So Ryan Daly from Nightcast. As uh, says, uh, I love the cover to this issue. You're talking about the Captain Adam one. Yeah. This was before he even listened to the episode. So does he return? He did not return with more comments. <laughs> <laughs> so the cover was great. The cover was great. Chris Franklin from Supermates and Nightcast as well says, if this issue proves anything, it's that Canary's jazzercise mom outfit is not hot. Did Beetle and Booster ever react to Canary in JLGLI in this manner? I think not. I remember hearing that the Captain Adam as Monarch surprise was really torpedoed by a DC sales meeting. DC invited some big distributors and retailers to a retreat and leaked the news of who Monarch was. One of the larger comic shop changed and printed the spoiler in their newsletter. And even in the pre-internet days, it got around to enough folks that it made DC squirmy and hence the boneheaded decision to slap Hawk into the ill-fitting Monarch armor. Wow. David Is Gutierrez adds to this by saying, Holy rumor mill. I had heard the above too, but also that there was some phone number that played a recorded message of comic spoilers, rumors, and speculations. And apparently that's true as well. Really? This was like the original leak. Rob Kelly uh, from the Aquaman, uh, from formerly of the... I keep seeing Aquaman Shrine because, you know, <laughs> this is where we met. But uh, Film and Water, Fire and Water, Who's Who, name it, Pod, Pod Dylan, Digest Cast, Treasure Cast. <laughs> he podcasts a lot. Uh, Power Records. Um, Rob Kelly says, uh, I love the idea of using his Charlton history as a fake cover story. That's a really imaginative idea. Thanks for pointing it out in this episode because he doesn't really know anything about Captain Adam. There's no Captain Adam podcast from Rob Kelly. See? Um, <laughs> he says, and the bit of business between Beetle and Booster regarding Canary is cute. I imagine that's what would happen if Shag was a superhero. <laughs> Definitely. By the way, have I mentioned I attended the Joe Kubert school? Well, everybody was there. We, we poked fun at him last time for this. Uh, and then uh, Chris Franklin says, if I went to the Kubert School, I would never shut up about it. That was my dream school. <laughs> so it's fine, Rob, if you want to talk about that. Uh, Michael Bailey from uh, Views from the Long Box says, back in 2000, I embarked on a massive reading project that engulfed a number of DC titles. I read them uh, by cover month instead of by title, and one of the books I threw on the pile was Captain Adam. I had been picking up the series through the cheap bins, and it was finally time to go through the series, along with Firestorm, The Outsiders, Boop, Suicide Squad, and other non-Batman or Superman DC books of that era. Captain Adam fit right into the tone of the various books I was going through, and I quickly developed a fondness uh, for Nathaniel Adam and his world. I liked the man-out-of-time element and watching as Adam had to lie to the heroes he worked with. The first few years of the book are so good. But eventually, the original concept ran its course, and even John Estrander couldn't save it by the end. What followed was a colossal mistake, followed by repeated attempts to fix said colossal mistake. The various post-Armageddon 2001 miniseries were valiant attempts, but the only good to come from them is that the JSA returned in the third one, which they could have done without that miniseries. 
I have to admit that Extreme Justice tried like hell to bring Captain Atom back to glory, but the revelation that the Captain Atom we've known all this time was actually a quantum clone and the real Nathaniel Atom was a real D-bag that assumed the identity of Monarch once again sank any attempts to make Captain Atom an interesting character again. And then he talks about Living Assault Weapons, the Law miniseries, which brought the Charlton heroes together and everybody hates. Okay. There's like a number of comments that are off. Screw that. And uh, a dissenting opinion from the first I, I gave, uh, Ange from uh, Comic Box Commentary says, the jazzercise Black Canary costume is hot. So I guess Ange. Uh, I think Ange is a fan of uh, the mom in the Goldbergs then? <laughs> Probably. I, I am too. So I do understand your feelings, okay. my friend. And I do think you're right. And I think Shag also says it's hot, even though he calls it the mom jeans costume. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. So... I mean, it's black and airy. She's hot no matter what, let's say. I do prefer the fishnets. Well, everybody prefers fishnets. Except people who have to wear fishnets. I'm guessing. It's, I'm it's guessing. not a popular accessory. <laughs> I don't know. I don't wear them. <laughs> but there's, I, I, the way I like to think of it is that there's a fishnet pattern on her um, stockings. It's not actual fishnets where you could poke your fingers through a hole. I hope not. I think it's like full covering. Well, I always think that superhero costumes are kind of different. And that's probably some kind of armor, electromagnetic It just armor. sticks to your skin. It just, you know, it protects you from, a, a, I don't know, somebody swinging at you with a, a maybe a knife or something like that. And, you know, it'd get, you know, it wouldn't cut your leg. I don't know. I'm hoping. Okay. Just after Bass went out, this came in from Diablo Frank. He says, I was very into Captain Adam for a brief period. I could get my hands on issues, roughly numbers 7 through 12. Uh, but then I ran out of sources until right at around Invasion. And as previously mentioned, the event itself turned me off, so I only bought the JLI tie-ins. I recall flipping through this issue on the stands, but it was so far up Invasion's junk that I passed on it. Another major problem was Romeo Tangal on inks, which overwhelmed Broderick's pencils the same way he had Perez's. I'm learning I actually like Tangal as a penciler on Super Friends, but as an inker, I say his name with the same contempt folks usually reserve for Vinnie Coletta, who I sometimes like a lot on inks, especially over Kirby on Thor. My reading of this book after the first year remains spotty, but I tend to agree that it suffered the same fate as Firestorm. It lost Broderick and replaced him with a less exciting version of Raphael Kayanan, Tangal Strikes Again, plus the book seemed to completely lose its way around this, the same time. All that stuff with losing his powers, then trying to be a quantum elemental and hang out with death, bleh. Well, here are some uh, Facebook likes and shares. Oh, we have those. We have those from uh, a long list. A lot list, of people. A wow. A list of people. Facebook likes and shares from Abadaba, Billy Lacasse, Clinton Robinson, Daniel Budnick, D. Bash, Grant Richter, H. Daniel Reibolt, Harlan Freliker, Jason Pope, Jimmy McGlinchey, Max Romero, Michael Bailey, Nicholas Prom, Robert Ward, Roy Cleary, Ryan Daly, who says woohoo. <laughs> Still didn't really comment on the thing. Sean Emmons, Shag Matthews, Silver and Gold Podcast, Tim Wallace, and Zoom Yukinori. And then Twitter retweets and favorites from Andre Forestieri, Angel Zamudio, Austin Kui Kendall, Bat, Between the Pages, who congratulates us on completing our first year. Ooh, thank you. Bill Beer, Callum Nauer, Cash Flag, aka Al, Chuck Rodriguez, Cuffing Comics, Comic Reflections, Daniel R. Budnick, Diablo Frank. Dimitri Pimanov, Film and Water Podcast, Firestorm Fan, Greg A., It's Plastic Man, Joe, Justice's First Dawn, Keith G. Baker, Longbox Crusade, Mark Wiggins, Matches Ballone, Paul Tracy, Pod Dylan, Richard Field, Rolled Spine Podcast, Silver and Gold Podcast, Treasury Comics, Too Old to New Podcast, 24-7 Salt, Unearthly Visions, Warlock Thanos Podcast, Warlord Worlds, and Willie Yarbrough. Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Thank you all, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, we did talk about Batman, so who wouldn't like it? <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not controversial. Controversial Batman is still an awesome Batman. You can't go wrong with Batman. Next time on First Strike the Invasion Podcast. New Guardians number six. Eesh. From the den? The foreseeable future will be what began 50 years ago, a fearsome loner. We're a bit worried about this. Since 1940, Robin has been an integral part. I like to think Robin's silence constitutes a challenge. Great experiment. Fucking bitch. Remember, Melbourne.